this morning I'm talking to us about a moment with God. A moment with God. And we take this from chapter 3. If you look at the life of this young man, it looks like he has been walking ever since he was born. He is walking towards this moment. Because this is the greatest moment in his life. Exodus chapter 3. Let's read Exodus chapter 3 together. You can look at it from your Bible or you take it from the screen. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. I love this. He's seeing something beautiful, something spectacular, something that is not, uh, what do I want to say? You know, the burning things were common there, I will show you. But today he's seeing something different. Eh? And the Bible says he tends to see. And when God saw that Moses tend. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that there is always a moment where you need to turn so God can see that you are paying attention. This guy is focused on the sheep and on anything else, but God does what only God does to attract Moses' attention. And indeed, Moses is attracted and he turns. How many times has God done things in your life to attract your attention and you refuse to turn? Yeah? And every time you're asking yourself, where is God? What is God saying? Why God is not doing ABCD? But God is busy trying to attract your attention. But you're not turning. Because you have this mind in you, this idea in you, how God must approach you. How God must reveal himself to you. He must reveal himself to you the way you want, but he will not do that. Moses has to turn. And the Bible says when God saw that he turned, then God called. Maybe unless we turn, Mm, there might be no voice. <laughs> there might be no talking. There might be no calling. Not because you are not called, but because you are not paying attention. So when he turned, God called, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. I love this. When the, let's move on. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Not that the place was always holy. It is holy today because of the presence of God. 
Make no mistake. And go by bowing to any ground, hoping it is holy. <laughs> this particular ground is holy today because God is in it. Or is there. Am I making sense? Right, let's move on. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Let's go on. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Look at this land, ladies and gentlemen. It's not an easy land. It's fertile, it's flowing with the milk and the honey, but they are Canaanites, they are Hittites, they are Amorites, they are Perizzites, they are Hivites, they are Jebusites around the land but you'll have to go in. Why are you afraid when they mock you? <laughs> when they gossip about you? When they lie about you? When they say whatever they are saying, you leave church. You leave Christ. You, you backslide. Who told you they are not going to be Jebusites around you? Your road, your way to Canaan, to heaven, to the kingdom, your Christian Lord, way, ladies and gentlemen, on it or around it are all these obstacles. That's why you need faith. You don't fight this in the flesh. We fight by faith. Let them say what they want to, but I am going to Canaan. I worship the Lord. I'm getting to where he wants me to get to. Why do you allow the enemy to discourage you? These days we have a lot of discouraged believers all over the world because of the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, and all these others. As if God did not warn us about them. I think it's because we have a wrong idea of our Christianity. That Christianity is just walking on the red carpet. Congratulations. We walk on the red carpet by the blood of Jesus, but it's a fight. We're going to fight. If you don't know how to fight. Yeah. Interesting. We are fighters, all of us here. No one will fight for you. We will fight for each other, but we have got to fight. None of us is too weak to fight because we have the Spirit of God in us and we are fighters. We don't just fight for the sake of fighting. We fight because we are overcomers. Because Jesus has already overcome for you and me. It's about Moses. Verse 9. Let's move on. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Look here. God himself 
himself says, I have come down myself to fight for Israel, to deliver Israel. God himself is involved, physically involved, but he needs a man called Moses. And he needs a man called you and me to fight injustice. Isn't it nice to understand that God is involved in your suffering? He's involved in your pain. He's involved right now in your confusion. He's involved in that situation, in that circumstance. He is involved. He involved himself 2,022 years ago on the cross of Calvary. So never doubt him. Never doubt his presence and his involvement in your pain. I know that when we are pressurized by life, we tend to think God has abandoned us. He promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you always till the very end. He's there. Talk to your neighbor and say he's there. I don't know what you are feeling, but he is involved in it. Open your eyes. And do likewise. Let's move on. We're reading this story. Then we will summarize it. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Look at the specification. My people. Who are my people? The children of Israel. Out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's okay, Moses. Look at the answer. Let's move on. He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. It's not about you, Moses. It's not about who you are. It's not about your abilities. It's about who I am, Moses. Who am I? What am I to go to Pharaoh and deliver uh, the children of Israel? It's not about you, Moses. Shut up. It's about me being with you. I shall be with you. Because I am with you, you are able. Do you get that? Ladies and gentlemen, Christianity is not about you. The assignment of God over your life is not about you. It's about who is with you. And if this God is with you, oh my God, there's nothing you shall not do. There's nothing impossible with you when you are with God. It doesn't matter, Moses, your background or anything else. I will be with you. Believe this, walk strong, do it, and you shall do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is with us here this morning. Stop asking, what about me? Who am I? Eh? I am just this. No, 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 no. no. There is no woman. There is no man. There is no child. There is no teenager. There is no old, old man or woman in the things of the Lord. As long as he is with you, you will make it. Are you with me this morning? Let's go. Then Moses said to God, Come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? 
Let's go. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. They know him. I am who I am. You see, God doesn't hide himself here. Let's move on. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout generations as this God. Let's get to our story. Let me summarize it for the sake of time. I hope you have already gotten something, isn't it? Already you are there. Right. Right. We have seen a number of things that I've just touched about in this story. We will continue. It's a, it's a nice day. Kwenyana is with the father-in-law's ship. <laughs> and uh, something spectacular takes place. Remember, we're talking about a moment with God. Yeah? Something takes place. This bush is burning, but it is not being consumed. Yeah? And Moses says to himself, I need to see this. What is this? This is a strange thing. And yet that was God's plan to catch or to capture Moses' attention. I've already said that. And when he turned, God spoke to him. I think you need to understand one thing that I want us to see here, ladies and gentlemen, is that God is always talking to you and me. And he uses the common blessed things. It was common in the desert for bushes to burn because of the heat and the oxygen that supports this combustion in the desert and things would burn up. It was common the shepherd saw those things. Yeah? You see, when God will approach you, stop looking at the out of this world spectacles. God will always approach you in the flesh for that matter because that is where you are. If he came here as God, boom, boom, when the lens here, you will run away like the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. You see that? Yeah. But he approaches us from our common places, from the things that we are used to. And the danger is you and me will always ignore those things. And yet God is talking to you and me. It takes a heart, therefore, ladies and gentlemen, particularly when you are a born again believer, to know the Spirit of the Lord and to see and understand that this is God. This is not just something else. This is God who is talking to us about something. The challenge we are facing these days as the body of Christ is that even when God talks about or through things, we are still dumb. Yeah? We are, we are so fond of our traditions. We are so fond of those things that we are comfortable in. We don't hear the voice. And we don't see him. But he is talking. And we are good to ask, what is God saying? 
Men of God, what is God saying? Mm-mm. It's no longer about Moses hearing God for you. It's about you hearing God for you as a believer. What is God saying? He has already spoken. The Bible says in the past days he spoke through the prophets. But now he has spoken through his son Jesus Christ. You want to hear what God is saying? Look at Jesus. He's speaking and he's spoken. The flame that we are seeing on this spectacular thing is a representation of God's presence. That's why the thing was not burning. That was God's presence. The Shekinah glory of God. Yeah? When it comes upon anything, it changes it. When it comes upon you, it changes you. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, you and me now are always in the presence of God. In the New Testament, believers. Because we are seated with him together in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2. In Christ Jesus. Never in a moment ask God, please give me your presence. You are in his presence. Wake up. You are in his presence. You are in him. Is there any other presence better and greater than being in Christ Jesus? He is the presence of God. Is the fullness of the Godhead. Anything that God is, you see it in Jesus. And the Bible says you are seated in him. In the heavenly places. There is no presence of God better than that. And it shall never be. So this morning as you sit here, as you walk, as you do whatever you are doing, wherever you are, you are always in this glory. Called Jesus Christ. Yeah? That's your dwelling place. Outside it, you are nothing. The presence of God is your habitat. It's your place of dwelling. I dwell in his presence every minute of my life. It doesn't matter how you think, how you feel. These things are not about feelings. These things are not by our thinking. These things are about our faith and what the Bible and the Lord has accomplished for us. So Moses sees this spectacular thing and he turns to it and bam, God speaks to Moses. He never was the same again. His life changed. But see how God introduces himself. When you meet up with God, you will have no doubt. Huh? Yeah. He introduces himself. He's not masquerading. He's not cheating you. He introduces himself. And not only that, and he gives Moses a clear instruction. Not only that, Moses conforms and complies and bows and understands why he is in Midian for such a time as this. He might have been a fugitive. That's God's way of bringing you out of the palace, man. Yeah? Because if God went to Moses in the palace and said, Moses, sit here, Moses. You see what? I have a mission. I need you to do this. Moses was going to say, no, 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 no. Excuse me. I'm enjoying here. Look elsewhere. Not me. Not me. But God had a way of kicking this boy out of the palace. Yeah? Into where he can speak to him. And get his attention. The challenge with us is we seek too much comfort. 
And ladies and gentlemen, in comfort, there could be deception. In comfort, we can reject Christ because he's busy pushing you to do what is inside of you. But you are saying, oh, not me. <laughs> oh, not now. Maybe next year. Now I need to pursue this. I need to get married. I need a degree. I need to buy a car. I need to do this. I need to visit Poland. I need to do APC. Not now. Not now. But the fire of God inside of you is burning and burning and burning. And you are rejecting and rejecting and rejecting. And when you see others excelling in the things of the Lord, you begin to say, that is fake. That's not of God. I know God myself. I'm also called, but what are you doing with your calling? What are you doing with the thing of the Lord inside of you? For how long will you postpone it? Listen to me. You can't come face to face with God and then you go back to Egypt to do nothing. There's nothing like that. The moment you come face to face with God, it will propel you forward. The fire will burn even more inside of you. Moses is going back to Egypt because God wants him to go back to Egypt. But this time not to the palace for a fight. He's prepared. He doesn't care. Now, who will say what? After all, that Pharaoh is dead. Do you see that? That's the moment with God. What are you doing with your moment with God? Let me put it this way. Many of us here have moments with God. Had moments with God. Are going to have moments with God. This morning you have a moment with God. What are you doing with it? No, I, I saw him here, but it's not enough. I really want God to prove himself. Yeah? I really want a sign. I really want a sign. Is there any other sign better than the cross? Is there any other sign better than the blood shed? Is there any other sign better than the open tomb where Christ is no longer there? Is there any sign better than what the word says? I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen. We are no longer a generation that looks for a sign. We are a generation of faith. We believe. We are called and we arise and do. Because he who has called is faithful. And he will be with you. And he will cause you to do. The things of the Lord are not about your education, are not about your strength, your stamina, or your whatever you, they are about who has called you, who is with you, who has sent you. Learn to rely on him. Learn to trust on him. From this moment, Moses cannot be the same. I don't know what he did when he got home to the father-in-law, but he went there and said, I am going back to Egypt. Because the Lord has said it. This time he is not going back as Moses alone. He's going back as husband. Yeah? As father. He has family. Yeah? He's a complete man now. Ready to fight. Ready to walk by faith. 
ready to do anything else. The way he was brought up, he should have married an Egyptian girl, prepared for a prince. But Moses is not an Egyptian prince. He is a Hebrew prince. Yeah. Who marries whom the Lord wants for him. Not whom the world wants. You see what I'm talking about? Look at this moment. Beautiful moment. There are many stories in the Bible of men and women who got into moments like this with God. You remember the Damascus moment. A young man called Saul. Very notorious young man. Zealous for the law. He would kill for the law. He would do anything for religion. That's what religion does. That's why you see these religious groups all over the world. Easy in their minds to kill. Religion has a passion of the flesh. Saul was like that. Getting authorities and letters to actually go and persecute the way. The Christian believers. Yeah? He's a flesh man. He walks to Damascus. They were not flying then. He's walking to Damascus. And on the way, there was a moment. A moment with God. Yeah? And this time, God did not approach Saul in a burning bush. Stop doing traditions with God's things. He is new every day. Because he spoke to Moses from a burning bush, stop looking around for bushes to burn. They shall not. But he approaches you in different circumstances. This time Saul is walking angry, I can imagine. Yeah? I don't know how many press-ups he was doing every day. I don't know the language he was using to curse the way. Yeah? And I'm going, I think he had even written the numbers he was going to kill in Damascus. And God comes on the way in the form of lightning. The light shone from heaven. And he found himself down. Not only down, but blind. Not only that, if you read chapter 9, he has a glimpse of an idea that the only one who can do this to him is the Lord. And he says, who are you, Lord? That was the turning moment. Who are you, Lord? And the Lord is very precise in his answering. When you ask about him, he tells you about him. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. End of story. No arguments. (laughs) And from there, Jesus takes over. You will rise from here. You get to the city. You will be told what to do. Because when you come face to face with God, he will always tell you what to do. You don't meet up with God and remain confused. No, 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 no. He explains the mission. He explains everything to you. He clears your confusion. Gives you clarity. Saul is told, you go there, you will be told what to do. And God goes to Ananias and says, he is coming. He is going to 
to APCT and I will show him what it is to suffer for my sake. Yeah? And when Saul goes to meet Ananias, the mission is explained. And the mission is clear. That's a moment. There are many other moments. Many other people. The woman at the world. It was a moment, John 4. It was a moment with God. Having had five husbands. And the one she was with was not even hers. It means he belonged to somebody else. Yeah? He's a loner. He's a reject in the community. And God comes. Boom. Everything changes. Suddenly. And he goes back to the community. This time, no rejection. And this time, everyone is prepared to hear her out. Because he had been with Christ. It's a moment with Christ. Yeah? A moment with God changes you eternally. The change of God is not temporal. It's not that it is today and the two years down the line you are feeling the same. It's not God. It's you. But when he touches you, he has touched you eternally. Build on it. Believe it. That you have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and it is done. Stop looking for these sensations that because I have said, Lord, I receive you. This, 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 whatever you say. Then suddenly things will just vibe up and change. And all that comes. Mm-mm. That's religion. You have changed. Even if you still you, you are still yourself. You have changed. Even if you are still struggling with thoughts. You have changed. Even if you are still struggling with whatever mood, whatever feeling. You have had a moment with God. Begin to work on the experience. Was Moses, even when he went back to Egypt, he was still afraid. eh? He was still stammering. That's why he needed an interpreter. Are you listening to me? Yeah. He was still Moses. But he had an encounter with God. Stop believing that the moment I am with God, everything falls off. He has changed your destiny. He has changed your thinking and everything. But there are things that will remain. Paul says he had this thorn in the flesh. Yeah? He never explains it to us, but he had this thorn in the flesh, which he went to God every time and said, take this away. Take away my anger. Remember, Moses had an anger issue. Take away this. Take away this. And God says, come on, man. Don't focus on those things. Focus on my grace because it is sufficient unto you. You see, the, the challenge with people, with us these days, we focus on the flesh instead on what God has done. And is it? When we focus on the things that trouble us, we lose focus of Christ Jesus. All we need to do is to believe that his grace is sufficient. Because it's not about me free from any thorn. It is about his grace. Are you with me this morning? I need to finish this. I need to finish this on time. What's my time? I am very good with time. Yes, I'm still on time, but I need to finish this. 
But ladies and gentlemen, don't waste your moment with God. I want you to remember, when did you first meet with God? Get back there in your mind and make great use of it. I want you to remember the little things that you have seen God do in your life. Get there, even if it is one, and walk from it and build from it. Don't waste it. Will he appear? Yes, he appears every day when you read the Bible. He appears every day because you are in him and he is with you. But don't miss those moments with God where he inspires you to do something. Hear me very well. All of us here have something of God. None of us here is common. We are all weird people of God. We are all the priesthood of God. We are all called and anointed of God. We all have assignments like Moses, like Saul, like everyone else. But the difference is how we take the assignments of our lives. The difference is we are believing men and not God. We think what God has said is not enough. I need a man to clarify it. What God has done is not enough. I need a man to add on to it. That is your deception. That's your challenge. What God has said is enough. It gets more clearer and clearer when you begin to gen it, when you begin to do it and work on it. Will we not speak into it? We will speak into it according to God, not according to us. Are you with me this morning? So what are you sitting down for? When shall you arise inside of you and then arise physically? Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Visit the sick. Lay hands on the sick. Preach Jesus. Share the gospel with somebody else. When will you do that? Those things that God is putting inside of you. When shall you? Why are you still waiting? For how long? Eh? I want to be perfect first. You will never be perfect. Until Jesus returns. I want to have enough. No one started from enough. Read the whole Bible. You start from where you are until you get to enough. I don't have much. That's the starting point. It is called I don't have much. I'm not anointed. Who told you that? You are anointed. The problem is you have seen and watched the fake anointings. Yeah? And you want to be like them. You are all anointed here. And the anointing of the Lord grows in you when you begin to put it into work. Not when you are sitting down and just receiving and receiving and receiving until you are the dead sea of the anointing. Three things that I want to leave with you in terms of the moment with God. Just three things. Let's get to my first point. You see, when you meet God, you will no longer doubt who God is. He says to Moses, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of 
Jacob. He says, I am who I am. And this is my name eternally. From one generation to another, he is still known as the God of Abraham. When people talk about God, please don't get deceived because there are many gods. Yeah? But your God and my God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Who I am, oh, I am, is our God. The beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, creator of all things in the heavens and on earth and underneath the earth. That is our God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is our God. Not any other God. We know our God. Come on now. Know your God. The world will tease you. But when you have had a moment with God, you will never confuse your God with all other gods in the world. No. You never. Even when somebody came here on religious robes and spoke of God, but not doing what is of God, your spirit will tell you he is a liar. That's not me. It's another God. Are you with me this morning? So when you meet up with God, your moment with God clarifies this. You will never be in doubt again. You know God. You guys, you know your God. Hallelujah. So don't doubt. Be bold. Be brave. Because when you know God, you are strong. Number two, what does the moment do? When you meet up with God, in your moment with God, your purpose or mission becomes clear. There is no way you can meet up with God, have a conversation with God, and he doesn't clarify your purpose. It doesn't clarify your mission. He does very well. Moses, you're going to Egypt to deliver my people Israel. Clear. That's the mission. You are not going to Egypt to have a holiday, Moses. No, no, no. To reconnect with your Opala's friends and see the old women who brought you up in Egypt and they were busy kissing you. No, 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 no. It's no longer time for the palace kisses. You're going there to deliver. And delivering is a fight. It's a strike. Mission explained. No believer here doesn't know their mission. You are not of this world. You are in it, but you are not of this world. That's the beginning of the mission. So why are you loving the world which you don't belong to? Don't you know that it will eat you up? And one of the statements in your mission is that loving the world is enmity to your God. It's mission clear. If your mission is not yet clear, Get down to your knees. Don't go to any papa. They don't even know their missions. That's why they are papas. Are you with me this morning? Let's be clear, ladies and gentlemen. What purpose are we serving here on earth? Because you have to serve that purpose here before you go home. Don't go home as a failure for a bronze medal. Go home for a gold medal. 
Did you hear that the Bible says there are crowns that he's prepared for for his? We are going for a crowning day, a crowning ceremony. One day, we'll be together there. You getting your bronze. Congratulations. You made it through. And the Zulus here getting their gold medals. The angels flapping. Congratulations. Praise God, they will be not jealous by then. Hallelujah. Purpose or mission becomes clear in the presence of God. My encouragement is for you to be clear with your assignment. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me very carefully. Christians who are not clear with their assignments, they cause confusion in the body of Christ. Because they are everywhere looking for validation and love from others. And when others don't smile at them, they think, yeah, this church people don't love people. You are confused. Look for your purpose. When you know your purpose, you know that not everyone will cheer you up, but everyone is with you. Yeah? It's with you. You will know that Jesus loves you from Cape to Cairo. He will never stop. Even if I don't love you the way you want, he loves you. And that is enough. You called and you are in a mission and you are on purpose and you are doing what God has called you to do. No one will take that away from you. Point number three, so I finish. In a moment with God, your ministry approach and strategy is set. He gives you. Look at what he says to Moses. If you read on that story, go and gather the elders of Egypt. Yeah? That's strategy. Moses is not just going to Egypt to run straight into Pharaoh's palace. He will be killed. There has got to be an approach and a God-given approach is God to the Hebrews first, the children of Israel. And don't just go and address them all. They don't know you, Moses. Yeah? They don't. Go and gather the elders. Yeah. Those who have the history of Israel, of why they are in Egypt, and what God has promised. And then say to the elders, the God of your fathers, I am, has sent me to you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Others didn't know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but their elders who knew and kept the information, the secret, the promise, approached them and said, I have sent them to you to deliver my people from Egypt. Then the strategy gets working. There is no way, guys, you can be called of God and be confused. You don't know how to start, where to start. No. Your moment with God clarifies these things. Your moment with God shows you where to start, how to start. Then you will grow and develop as you move on by faith. What am I saying this morning? Get started. Yes, go and start. He told you how to do it. He told you what to do. 
you think it is not worth it or you think it is too big. It's not. He is with you. Nothing is bigger than the one who is with you. Are you with me this morning? My prayer this morning is that we will not waste our moments with God. Don't waste this one. My prayer is that we will get back to the things that he has put in our hearts as believers and we begin to run with them. Ladies and gentlemen, Christianity is beautiful when we serve God. Christianity is beautiful when we serve others. Christianity is beautiful when we go out there and do what God has told us to do. It doesn't matter what the world says and thinks. As long as he has said it, do it. It's not about your mama, your baba, your relatives, or whatever you. It's about God. Go and do it. Talk to your neighbor and say, go and do it. Say it to your neighbor, I don't want to see you like this next time. Go and do it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for moments like this. Where we can sharpen one another. Your word says, iron sharpens iron. And this morning we believe that by your word we have sharpened one another. Lord, thank you for maybe, Father, speaking to us again in terms of our purposes and our missions. And thank you for reminding us of those moments we have had with you so we can reconnect and begin to run this race with faith and with much and much impact and influence. We commit ourselves, we give ourselves to you. If there are any of us, Lord, here who have not received Jesus yet and have not had such moments, I pray that this morning you open their hearts, that they may open their hearts to you and receive you so they may begin this beautiful journey of serving with you. We give you praise this morning. We remember our brother Vess and the family. We commit them into your hands. We remember every one of us here, Lord, whose families are having challenges. We commit one another into your hands. We speak life. We speak peace. We speak joy. We speak victory in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We are not failures. We are not losers. We are winners in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't care what the world thinks. We care about what you have said to us. And we are propelled by that Lord to do greater things than the things Jesus himself did. So we thank you for signs and wonders following us. Lord, throughout the week and everywhere we are, I thank you for boldness and clarity. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. Amen and amen.